welcome to the H Word Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> Hi, I'm Becky. I'm Dan. And um, today is a very special episode because we're lying down. That's right. <laughs> if you're listening to these episodes back to back, you're doing your old H Word catch up. Uh, <laughs> then you'll probably notice a vast difference in the sound of our voices. <laughs> Um, because I, the way in which they're located in our body. I feel, like, definitely less comfortable. Um, really? Oh, I feel far more comfortable. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've made, I think, an overly complicated, weird setup where I have to... I'm lying on my bed, but I have to speak sort of sideways. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's not comfortable. No. You, but the idea behind the lying down record is that we're comfortable. Isn't it? Isn't like what's the what's the idea behind it? I mean, if you want to put those parameters on it, <laughs> well, is, I thought it was like maybe, on the notion. <laughs> isn't it like because you you do you like you're depressed and you want to do it lying down? It's like sitting down in the shower. Isn't that what it is? Oh, everyone doesn't just sit down in the shower <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Showers aren't a sit down affair. Well, then when you pee, does it just splash everywhere if you don't sit down in it? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you live in your shower? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm recording in the shower, so I had to put pillows all over the walls. They've gone moldy. <laughs> well, it sounds great. It feels... Yeah. Okay. Well, no. Okay. Is it about comfort or is it about a conspiratorial slumber party vibe? Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, we're talking on the phone. Like, we literally are talking on the phone. We are talking on the phone. Um. Uh. Yeah. Like, you know, slumber parties weren't comfortable, but they were like... Like, you're getting away with something. Ah, uh, yes. But yes. you were propped up on your sort of elbow the whole time gossiping. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, we're getting away with, like, you know, mom and dad don't know we're, like, talking until this late an hour. <laughs> they do. They keep get, coming down and getting mad, but, like... Right, okay. But, but it's So, if fun. you're listening to this in the afternoon, you have to wait, pause now, wait till 3 a.m., and then play the rest. Yeah. Um... <laughs> play it and play it loudly next to loud, your sleeping so partner. Loud. If you have one. With a, play a VHS and just play it loud. Um, there's something else special about this episode. I don't I don't know what that is. Surprise me. Surprise, this is your birthday episode that's just us. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? Yes. <laughs> We're what, gonna go it's Oh what, my god. It's what you asked for, so <laughs> You're getting it with no advance notice, and we're going to talk for like 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Or whatever. It's your birthday. We can have a 10-minute episode if you want. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dan. Oh, thank you, Becky. That's so nice. <laughs> and from my best friend of all people. Yeah. Um, I will admit... I did, um, as a best friend, I did have to, like, do some research to figure out exactly when your birthday was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm working on my best friendship. But um, happy birthday. The world is a really difficult, awful place, um, but I think you deserve to be celebrated. That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> By, I guess, making you work for an hour. <laughs> You asked for it. With, well, no, I asked for it, but I thought we would have preparation. I was going to, like, prepare activities for us, and now I've got nothing. Yeah, well, I'm a trickster. And I yeah. pre I prepared activities. You did? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Wow. <laughs> well, like, one. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where do we start? How are you, Dan? Is there anything that you want to talk about? Like, um... You know, anything you had planned, business as usual style, because uh, we have time. <laughs> yeah, we got we got all the time. Let's stretch out. Let's do a weather report. Oh, it's yeah. a beaut it's beautiful. It's like this is this is prime Toronto summer right now. Yeah, it was like sixteen degrees last night and breezy. It was nice. And and um I believe if we're doing a recap, there have been some truly beautiful and wonderful uh thunderstorms. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's been a bit of a double-edged sword for me. Okay. Um, because I have a water leak in my apartment. Oh, no, I'm sorry to bring that up on your birthday show. <laughs> that's all right. But rain has been this constant source of stress where it's like, 
We tried to get it fixed, and then it's like, okay, wait for the rain. We had to wait like a week for rain. There was a big stretch of no rain. Oh, and then there was a lot of rain. And then there was a lot of rain. And there was three days in a row. And the first two days, they were like, there was a lot of rain, but it was kind of light in the sense that it wasn't forceful from the sky, you know? Oh. And, And so it wasn't penetrating. And I was like, we solved it. I was like so happy. Oh, no. And then the third day. It was like a real downpour, one of those quick, quicker, but heavy downpours. And I was like, okay, final test. And it failed the final test. So you got a leak still. Got a leak still. Didn't fix it. Uh, I guess that's the price of that view. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> You're more in the sky. So things yeah. leak. Yeah, I deserve I deserve a bit of uh, punishment for that. No, you deserve only the best <laughs> things. Um while so, we're at a slumber party, I'm gonna sip my uh, I'm gonna sip my sugar-free pop. Okay, and I'm going to. Here's a new segment: is what are you drinking right now? You know, I'm also just gonna put this out there to people listening. You can stop <laughs> whenever you want because I don't know what we're gonna talk about for an hour. <laughs> I mean, even though you can stop, I, I think that I think that goes without saying for any podcast. You yeah, can it, stop, but it's with guests. I feel more rude saying that. Um, oh, I see. Right. We're just home with mom and dad now. Okay. So that's us. We're mom and dad. Um, <laughs> yes. Mom and dad having a slumber party. <laughs> the kids keep telling them to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go to school. Stop being a spoil sport. Um, I'm drinking a chilled tapered pint glass of um, marshmallow water. Like What? <laughs> What? Mar- marshmallow root that I soaked in water overnight in the fridge. It's supposed to be good for my tummy. Sorry, marshmallow root? Yeah, it's uh, a, a witch's herb, I guess. I guess. Whoa. Never heard of that. I like the flavor of it, and it's supposed to be good for my mucus membranes. Oh, good. The membranes. Um, I can get you some for your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh... I checked actually my membrane, my mucus membrane levels are actually really good. Oh, okay, so, good. Well, you yeah. tell me what herbs you need and you shall yeah. have them. Um, uh, I am a bit of a hypochondriac. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's ever come up on the show, but so my latest thing is that I've started seeing what I believe to be dark spots on the backs of my knuckles. Ooh. Um, yeah, they're very slight. But I was, like, outside, and I just looked at the back of my hand one time, and I was like, what is this? And, of course, the hypochondriac will go and Google everything that yeah. is around that. Yeah. And uh, it's, like, prediabetes. It's either, like, uh, a B12. Yeah, it's, like, a B12 deficiency or prediabetes. Um, and so uh, I had a blood test recently, and they didn't test for that stuff. Just, I don't know why. And so I, like, I, I called my doctor. I was like, well, we got to do another one. <laughs> because you didn't do what you didn't test enough. Uh, and so um, uh, so that is a long way of saying what I'm drinking is uh, a stevia flavored cola, um, Zevia brand. So sugar free because you've got diabetes now. That's right. Sugar free and artificial sweetener free. That's the idea. Oh, artificial sweeteners are bad for your potential imagined diabetes. And. Uh, well, there's, yeah, the way they say it is that, like, sugar spikes your insulin the most, uh, aspartame is, like, half, oh. and then stevia is, like, zero. Um, you taking a B12 pill with that? Well, no, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, do you know the, you know, the philosophy of, like, if I'm gonna get my computer repaired, I want it to be in the worst possible state <laughs> whenever I get into the shop? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, yeah. yes, I'm not. I'm not gonna like eat a bunch of sugar because I don't. Uh, you know, it's all. It's just like always good for you to do that. Um, but I'm not gonna be like uh, taking a bunch of supplements to throw anything off. Right. You know. You should get the injections, man. I had them for a while. They made me really like peppy and emotional. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Once a month, I'd just be really wound up. And then, Do I need to be emotional more than I am? It's just sort of a, a fun side effect. <laughs> the injections. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, it's good. Pain is means you're healing, getting a little shot in the arm. <laughs> yeah. If you have a leak, it means you have a nice view. 
<laughs> right. You're never yeah. allowed just a good thing. Yeah. Um, I I have a another segment. Okay. Wait. Oh, the first segment was what are you drinking? Yeah. Okay. No, first one was weather. Second was what are you drinking? Which is a new segment, which is great. Sorry. Yes, and it's good. Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't correct you on your birthday. Um. <laughs> <laughs> It's, segment uh, number three. Here we are. <laughs> Guilt. <laughs> segment number four. Uh, bargaining. Um, <laughs> uh, it was like a podcast that I haven't listened to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's an old that's an old favorite. Were you? Yeah, we, I did it once. Were you? I would um, love like th- like surely maybe in post you could play a clip from these podcasts that you haven't listened to. Like it feels like it just feels like there's a there's a real like you know improv scene where you're talking about characters you'll never see kind of vibe. Okay. Um, you know? Okay. Well, I I mean the the one that I did just listen to. So this segment comes in two parts. One is that I I've plugged something previously and now I've listened to it. Oh, now now you've done your homework. Okay, great, great. So I have listened to this one, um, the one that I said I would last time, which was Riverdale Rude Dudes. Yes. <laughs> this was this was also two weeks ago because I forgot last week and I had listened to it. But um, Chris Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton, Bridget Can, and uh, Candace Meeks. I know everybody involved. Turns out, oh. um, it was great. <laughs> I, um, I'm sure I was, you got all the references. <laughs> I listened to an episode called "Fear the Reaper." It's a recap from, I believe, season three. I think um, it made. No sense to me <laughs> at all. Yeah, at all. But I will say that um, randomly tuning into a podcast that's a recap of a show, Riverdale, that you haven't watched by three um, very thoughtful, energetic, and passionate people who care about what they're talking about is actually pretty fun. Okay, it's um like m- my brain just went kind of turned off the part that thought it would understand anything. And, and the way that, I mean, speaking of improv, it would be hard to improvise a scene like this about something you hadn't watched. Like, the small details that keep popping up offhand are <laughs> quite alarming and detailed. Yeah. Well, and also there's just no, um, there's just no time for thinking. You're just, like, spouting off all of this insanity that, like, it, yeah. you know, it just feels like to the telling of a true story in a way. Yeah, there's just so many character names, so many details about the characters that it really seem just out of control. And um, I found it thoroughly enjoyable to just have that experience, especially, I think, during a period in time when, like, the news is overwhelming and you have to, like, understand the meaning of things a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> didn't feel right, that yeah. pressure um, tuning into this. And also, if you like Riverdale, they seem to be doing a good job <laughs> talking about it. Also, mm. so it's not just for people who haven't watched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did that recently, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I was, um, I don't know where I was. You know this thing where you like, you like read a Twitter thread and then someone makes some really stupid reply and you start investigating them. Do you know that? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I did that uh, stupidly one day, and uh, this person, like, one of their tweets was like. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I don't know. It kind of was sad, but also kind of okay. cute. It was like just got home from an hour long sweaty walk with the dog. Gonna crack a cold Pepsi and watch this YouTuber recap other YouTubers. And, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'll I'll just dive into this and watched the video. And uh, yeah, this extremely energetic man um, talking so animatedly about other YouTubers and the controversies and the call outs and the like, uh, the politics between them. Right. Um, and yeah, I had no idea what was going on, but there was a kind of, a, you know, uh, cutting a portal into another world where you're like, okay, this is, this is a thing that goes on. There was a charm to it. Did you get any like insights out of the experience? Um, well, it, it just made me think about the fractious nature of entertainment now. Um, Mm. because this person talked about it like it was a TV show and it's a half hour clip. So it is in effect is. And, uh, I was just like, yeah, there's, it's, um, it's no longer about like too many streaming options. It's like, 
it's like everything has everything is happening all at once. Right. You know, every conceivable thing is happening at the same time. I think to me, like, listening to someone talk about a bunch of drama in another community that I would understand would also be kind of like a check-in for, like, how invested one can be in their own. Oh, in interesting. Own community's drama. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he still was speaking about these people like they were celebrities. Like, he wasn't speaking about them like they were his colleagues or something. Oh, I see. I see. Um, but, but even so, it's like, if you don't know who he's talking about, it's like, why do we care about anything? Mm, yes. Yes. Well, that that was a thing early on in the in the in lockdown was like the you, you felt the you felt the power of celebrity kind of dissolve. Yeah, we talked uh, about that. Um, yeah. And like the death of coolness. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's maintained too. like. I'm, I'm now, I've now like integrated watching Instagram lives into my life. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, I really like the ones that Tamara Siobhan and Janelle Dennis have been doing. Um, I'm just recommending them for people to check out. Um, but it's changed and Lucky Yates, who we interviewed months ago now on the show. Mm -hmm. He has been doing an Instagram live every night at 9 PM this entire time. Yeah. Every single day. And, like, that one I stumble into more, but there's, like, just an hour of a pup, a marionette. Oh, it's a pup, it's a puppet show the whole time? Mm, it's different every night. So, like, wow. Sunday is night church. Okay, yeah. He seems to smoke a lot of weed and, like, give sermons. Uh-huh. <laughs> about, the you know, the Church of the Holy Dodo, his church. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's, like, a clown. The clown hour I was pretty into. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty out of control. Um, and they're all just, you know, him alone in his home. So that's got to be <laughs> hundreds of episodes now or over a yeah. hundred. Yeah. You know, that whole like a hundredth episode of TV. Well, it's not that hard. Hmm. You can do a hundred hours. <laughs> it's not that hard. No, we got yeah. time now. Um, oh, oh, it's not hard to consume. Yeah. Or to make if you just don't edit anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. How long we've been at this? 21 minutes. I'm running out of steam. Oh, no. Just kidding. Um, did you have any hopefuls this week? Uh. You don't have to. It's your birthday. You can do whatever you want. Um, what even happened this week? Oh, do you want to talk about the news? Oh, well, I got, that's what I think of when I think of hopefuls. Well, um, I can only think of extremely horrible stuff that's been happening. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, that's not true. I haven't been, I haven't been following these American elections that seem to happen daily. Um, yeah, the primaries. Yeah, it's very. Con- I mean, I, I I can only follow them to a certain degree because I I feel quite overwhelmed by it. But yeah. here, let me. Oh yeah, here's where I reveal also that this idea that I'm going to be comfortable in bed um, involved bringing my computer into the bed <laughs> mm-hmm. just to prepare for this whole thing. So I was asking you, but here's one. Um, this is, there were two recent um, moments in American indigenous news. Here's one that's um, all four native candidates in Kansas win their primaries. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I guess there's three stories. A huge chunk of Oklahoma has also been given back to the indigenous people there, including Tulsa in a policing manner or something like that. Huh. Um, And a giant tract of what was private land, we've discovered, you and I have talked about this offline, um, outside of Big Sur in California was given back to to ancestral keepers. Yes, right. So these things are, these are good. (laughs) These, this good. This is, this is something. Yeah. Um, and then as far as what else is happening in the news, uh, there was a massive, extremely destructive explosion in Beirut, Lebanon. Right. I mean, that's what I've been thinking about as far as the insurmountable feeling horribleness of the news right now. Mm-hmm. I didn't just, want... Just disasters piled on disasters? Yeah. Yeah. Feels particularly unfair. Um, if anyone wants to... Give support. We can we can put links for that. Apparently, go through non governmental agencies instead of 
I don't know why people would be funding stuff through the or donating to the Lebanese government, but community grassroots organizations are your best bet there. Um, but it's also just overwhelmingly horrifying. Yeah. So, sorry to bring yeah. down the slumber party. <laughs> but there's, uh, yeah, it, it's also like this year, it, it, horrible stuff was always happening, but it just feels like with a global pandemic as a baseline, all these other things just feel absolutely unfair. Mm-hmm. Not that anything's ever been fair, but. Yeah. Um, anyway, do you have any hopefuls? Um, Sandy Hudson posted something yesterday, uh, mm. about the Seattle police department. Yeah. Um, someone saying Seattle police department will no longer be part of the removal of homeless encampments. Yeah. Uh, they will no longer be in charge of destroying shelters and belongings. And so, uh, as part of reallocating funds, uh, f- from the police, uh, you know, just this idea of like, it's possible to do it. Yeah, and like, and I saw that on Twitter, and she really framed that as like, look what's possible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the I, I, I there's a feeling of like, you know, and, and we knew this would happen that this gigantic um, defund the police and Black Lives Matter sort of push into the mainstream wouldn't last. We knew it wouldn't, but it's it is um, heartening to know that it is resulting in policy change now, and that that can happen quickly. Mm-hmm. And to keep reminding ourselves of that. Yeah. You know, it's something that has given me hope is uh, the NBA has restarted. Um, oh, you like and, that? Well, I like the permeation of the Black Lives Matter message uh, within the NBA. Um, like it's written on the court. And um, it reminded me of watching Eyes on the Prize. And early in the civil rights movement, there was... Uh, it was around voting primaries. I think it was around Georgia trying to get a black candidate um, elected on their in their own uh, party, mm-hmm. and um, and there was this moment where the president used their phrase. It was like uh, I don't know if what it was. It was like um, autonomous control or like some kind of phrasing that was like that this movement had totally designed and was their brand essentially. And uh, hearing it come out of the president's mouth was like, oh, we are changing things. And uh, this was highlighted in the documentary. And it really reminded me of that, of just like, if you started Black Lives Matter and you saw what's like it being written on the court and on every player's T-shirt. And mm. like, you can tell that the NBA has has required um, broadcasters to talk about it because every game they will say and they will mention the ongoing conversation and this kind of thing. It's like you can tell it's been mandated. And uh, it's that that is really encouraging to me because that that is, I think, the whole, you know, the whole problem of restarting sports. There was some there was some tweet a while ago that was like sports feel like the reward for a functioning society. Uh. And so, like, that has been my ethical concern of of restarting sports um you know beyond the pandemic concerns is that like it's going to sweep things under the rug it's it's Um, it's back to normal we're just sitting we're not rocking about anymore right yeah so uh that that's been hopeful and i just hope it continues yeah and the WNBA. um did they dedicate their season to brianna taylor or i don't know I'm sorry, I don't follow sports that much. Well, they've done something, and they were, I believe, the first, the first um, league to come back. Okay. Um, I'm looking it up. My my bad computer. I mean, this is what slumber parties would be now. It's just computers and the internet. <laughs> yeah, I don't normally do this, but um, yeah, they dedicated their season to Brianna Taylor. Um. And the Say Her Name campaign. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, you know, it's on their jerseys and shoes. Mm. Um, and and this, is, this is interesting. Thanks for bringing this up because I've, I, I mean, as far as sports go, I've been in a space of mainly fretfulness about their safe, the safety of all these young people who have to play the sports. Mm. Um, 
which is like a general concern, this weird, like, it's really hard on your body and then, and then you're sort of done very young in your career. Um, but I, I remember years ago, like trying to look up and understand why activist was being used as a bad word. Um, like, by who? Well, that was it. It was like, I expect that from the like far right and the right, but it was sort of like a centrist rhetoric that I was hearing on TV and in the news. And with pol- mm. I don't know. I can't remember the specifics. It was quite a few years ago. Um, but was trying to understand it because I was like, act- and maybe it was like around like, you know, G20 or stuff like that, like professional activists and stuff. And it's like, but aren't activists really important? Don't we all think that? Was my thinking. Um, so it's nice to see it so readily integrated into activism into society because it is important. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's normalizing it to the degree that like just admitting that so many of our actions that we thought were apolitical are political. Yeah, silence is violence. Like, just getting on with business and not changing anything, like, letting people continue to die is a political act. Yeah. Y- you know, and, and, and having, like, AOC and and um, in John Lewis's writing, who speaks, you know, he speaks about good trouble. Yeah. You know, these are, these are high-ranking officials now at this point um, saying activism is extremely important in the public discourse and in policymaking. We need yeah. this, you know? Um, so see, and seeing, I, I feel like it's like a weapon to tell any industry that they shouldn't be involved in politics. Um, what is a weapon? Apathy? In, the weapon is saying, like, let's keep politics out of this sphere. Yes, yes. Um, oh, did you, have you read the article about Ben and Jerry's? Well, I've made, I've read many articles, but not a recent one. Okay, um, I can't remember where I read it now. But I know that the one of the, the head guys is quite a, quite active. Yeah, they, um, I think it might have been Bloomberg or something. It was one of the ones that I'm only allowed to read three articles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but they've had like, they've had a whole activist wing for decades. A, uh, oh, yeah. An entire department worked into their corporate structure. Mm. Um. And I'll, I'll post the article in relation to this if anybody wants to read it. Um, but that sort of thing about corporations, they, they've been used as an exemplar and as a model of how to integrate, um, like, radical activism into a profitable corporate structure. Right. That's great. Yeah. And, like, down to, down to like, ingredient sourcing, but also branding, packaging, product launches, that all of it can be related to an activist cause, and they, they identify them constantly. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Uh, the you're right. You're you're mentioning a paywall. Reminded me of something I saw the other day. Oh yeah. Um, about how I believe I forget what the article was. Um, but it was about how there, there's like a there's like a commercial there's becoming a commercial divide between truth and misinformation. Where it's like, oh yeah, medical. Well, in medical journals, a lot of med- sure medical information is hidden behind paywalls. Sure, medical information, but then, but then even like, you know, journalism that that like, you know, we all when we subscribe to newspapers, we would pay for, so yeah. that was fine. But then when people stopped subscribing to newspapers, there was just like papers that still needed to get paid. So now there's a paywall up for them, and then the ones that don't have a paywall are generally more uh they're generally worse journalism so like um you know it's basically coming down to like the lies are free and the truth costs money so and, what's the solution i mean can governments fund newspapers without being involved in managing the agenda Oof, so sticky right yeah but oh but that relates to ben and jerry's okay does it yes because ben and jerry's was um acquired by a giant multinational company that has a bunch of brands that are not as, I mean, I guess very few brands are as involved in activism as Ben and Jerry's. The acquisition negotiation took quite a long time. And one of the important elements was that the new parent company was not allowed to touch the activist wing or be involved in any way. I see. This was in the contracts. 
Um, and there, I mean, I, you know, I'm not getting all the details right, but in the article, it said like there was a moment around some cause where the parent company reached out and the CEO just redirected them to the language of the contract. And that was the end of the phone call. Huh. So well, I mean, we do we do do it anyway, right? CBC is state funded news. Yeah, but they're not without bias. Sorry, I work there, but like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Come well, on. they're not they're not without bias, but like but like they're not putting out in misinformation. Um <laughs> I mean Are it's you, a, it's a spectrum. They're not Fox News. They're not Fox News, but it's a spectrum I'd say. I think that I think that every news outlet needs to look at their bias. And as far as okay, mis- misinformation, then, well then what about the spin that you put on indigenous stories? Uh totally, totally, but that's that's a that's kind of a separate issue. I mean, it's tied, but it's like if all journalism needs to investigate its biases, then that is a across-the-board investigation that needs to happen. But if there is a commercial, if there's a commerce divide between truth and fiction, uh, then that's a bigger problem. I feel like I'm not informed enough about this, but I would, I would like to speak to Indigenous journalists about the CBC and misinformation is how I guess I'd put it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Based on But uh, what I mean what I mean is that like like scientific lies or not I don't know. It's not as bad. Absolutely it's not as bad. But you know, there's there are things that there are things that CBC keeps safe because it's funded by the government, I think. And protects as far as narratives and But how what what's your trust level in this in the CBC? Um lower and lower as time goes on. Hmm. Lower and lower over the past few months. And I mean it's being called out. Yeah, you know the hiring processes, um, even even creating spaces that are so overwhelmingly white, um, which includes also this space that we've created, right? Um, the questions I ask, we are we are an arm of the CBC. Yeah. We are an arm of the CBC. The questions that I ask in interviews are sometimes revealed to be quite ignorant because they come from my ignorance, you know. And uh-huh. uh, but I would also but I would say with the CBC, like I've listened to interviews that have been alarming to me. There was one, and I can't remember who it was, but it was an interview with, you know, a Palestinian politician activist. And it was alarming, the like, well, you know, how can you say that Israel's not helping you? Or you know, like, I wish I, sorry, I wish I had the names and details right now, but I found it alarming. And it was something that was like on broadcast news in the past year. Hmm. And it was very, a very clear bias coming across. Oh, speaking of which, here's another hopeful. Okay. Um, Seth Rogen. Yes. Went on Mark Marin's podcast, WTF. And yeah. I mean, what the fuck? I think it's called. That's right. You can say it here on the H. Yeah. <laughs> Another letter based podcast. Free space, free speech. Um, yeah. And, and like he was promoting his new movie, an American pickle. And uh, he spoke out against making Aliyah to Israel. Do you know what making Aliyah is? No. Um, it is. Okay. So background also, Seth Rogen and I went to summer camp together and we're in youth group together. Um, and so we're from the same sort of like indoctrination space. And I call that youth group a socialist youth group because that was the stuff my greatest takeaway, but it also was a Zionist youth group, a left-wing yes. Zionist youth group. Um, yes. So – uh, anyway, he, uh, in this podcast, sort of spoke out against making Aliyah. So making Aliyah is um, the Zionist notion that all Jewish people should move to Israel to strengthen, right. the, to strengthen the country. Yes. And he's, he and Mark Maron spoke out against this on the podcast. And he's like, it's scary. And I, I mean, I'm not particularly scared. Um, the family members who it would offend are, for the most part, in my family, dead. Um, and I do think it's absolute insanity to try to try to do this it's so you know and to not focus on the oppression of the palestinian people um anyway but he used his platform to speak out about it and i've talked to other friends who you know we were all in the same youth group together since that happened and they're like we're proud of him but you know we're still scared to speak out because you'd be ostracized from your family yeah it's pretty intense but i'm proud of seth rogan that made me feel really hopeful yeah that's a small one that's a big one I'm talking too much at your party. <laughs> yeah, my party, my talking. <laughs> oh, 
really talk too much in general. Um, do you want uh, the activity? Yes. <laughs> okay. It's time. Okay. The activity is, uh, and only if you want to do this, is, um, so I watched a bunch of, of um, YouTube tutorials on reading tarot. <laughs> okay. And I have two tarot decks here. Okay. So I can draw some cards, so we can answer some questions of yours, or I can, I don't know, would you like that? <laughs> um, uh... You can also keep the question in your head. Like, you don't have to reveal personal things about yourself. I know, but then it's boring. Then I'm just like, oh, that kind of relates. You know? Okay, well... I think, how, I think yeah. any question I would have, would I would have to keep in my head. Uh, so... I'm just worried. I'm gonna. I'm worried that it won't be entertaining. Well, we can, we'll be, let's just try it and cut it out if it's not. This whole episode might not okay. be entertaining. I don't know. <laughs> Anything could be not entertaining. Well, I've got two different decks. Um, I also don't know what I'm doing, so I'm shuffling. No, I'm gonna do. Yeah, I'm gonna do this one first. Okay, so I'm just gonna do like a general. Uh, I am making this up. <laughs> Okay, oh, okay. Also, now, now we're we're the picture of what's happening in my bed has become much more clear because I have a giant tray with tarot cards and a computer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lying here with lots of stuff. Got my marshmallow water. Um, so there's two decks. This first one is called the Aquarian Tarot. Um, I bought this deck in Halifax from a witch. Oh, a card fell out while I was shuffling. That means that's your card. Okay, that's a good one. Okay. Um, ooh, ooh, this looks But sad. do I have to start having my question in my head, or what? No, I think there's no question, unless you want oh, one. Oh, okay. No, no, I want no question. Yeah. Okay, th so this is just, there's two different decks. So this one, it, the Aquarian Tarot, is supposed to be a really introspective deck. For some reason, my father had this deck when I was growing up, which just kind of didn't seem like his style. So you got the Nine of Swords. It doesn't look good. I'm <laughs> 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 Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is a quite a like muted color tones 1970s but it's about introspection so you know i actually do i know that you are going through some stuff so it would be unfair to have this read be fully cheery yeah this person looks like they're crying over dan they look like they're crying over a coffin okay so we don't have to reveal stuff but, but do you wait are you looking up any information about this card yes. or are you just interpreting it visually I'm doing both. I'm looking at okay. the information. I only have the little, like, pamphlet for this deck. Um, okay. So it's not going to be a very profound reading. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's it's somebody crying over a coffin, and there's uh, nine swords up kind of horizontal in the air. And it says, vacillation on an important matter, failure, disappointment, desolation, may mean miscarriage or death of a loved one. Well, we know that something in that world has happened because we've talked about that here uh-huh um so i guess looking at this i'd say that it, i think you're in a period right now where there's there's a lot of um well i said vacillation i think i actually think it's a period of like mourning for multiple things um, that's going to be painful and transformative. Um, and I actually, looking at this, think that it's important to to feel all that sadness and to not rush through it. And to know that sitting in it for a while is not going to make it uh, worse. It'll actually probably make it turn out better. So I see some. I see a bright spot here. I'll send you pictures of these two. I see a bright spot, kind of far away, and I think that that's what's coming. But it'll take a while. Does that okay. mean something to you? Sure. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's that. Oh, there's sirens going by. Now you can hear them because I'm in the bedroom. Now, the second deck that I'm going to draw from. Oops. Oh. 
is um, a very special deck that I encountered in Los Angeles. It's called uh, The Autonomic Tarot by the illustrations by Sophie Hollington and the writing by David Keenan. There's a book that goes along with it that's like a, an experimental novella based on the tarot. Um, this was actually one of the things that drew me back into trying to understand tarot better. And it's I find it extremely dense and complicated, the uh-huh. writing and the artwork. And so let me read this. Um, Autonomic Tarot is the product of a collaboration between a writer, David Keenan, and artist, Sophie Hollington. The pair have combined forces to create a lino-cut tarot deck that retains an umbilical to the card's archaic roots, yet future visions it as a glam-punk portal deep into the now. So, I say this is very much about the now and the future, and maybe if that if that was one side of the coin, the um, introspection... And sadness, I, this is going to be, I've decided, um, the other side of what's going on. Okay, I want a card to flip out like, oh, there we go. Ooh! You got the magician! Okay. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if this is going to be interesting for other people, but it's sure interesting for me. <laughs> you guys can tune out. Anytime. <laughs> okay, so this is card number one. There is a card before it, which is number zero, the fool. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is great, dude. Yeah, this is the other side. Yeah. Okay. So this is um, David Keenan's writing, and you'll see what I mean about this being quite a different thing. The Magician. The Magician is twice born and must partake of a second virgin birth, which is as impossible as pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, says you. He resides in the house of David and wears its star doubled upon his head. He presents you with a tissue, which she tears into four and spells the house of her father, Tetragamaton. Oh, and then it's got the sacred, the sacred name of God that I as a Jew am not supposed to say. That's written here. Um, she inhales a column of smoke that runs up the spine. Die to yourself all over is to be born into the world. Yield to yourself. It is the law. Whoa. And it came straightway, like, right way up. So the meanings, the divinatory meanings, will, power, initiation of a project or scheme, skill, fearlessness, iconoclasm, the word, necessity, planning, transformation, conjuring, action, androgyny, reinvention, queen of the castle, inspirational illumination. That's great. Okay. Okay. Um, this is, to me, this is totally unrelated to the other one. The other one is your personal um, I actually think this is professional. Uh-huh. Um, professional being personal for you as well because of the work that you do. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, there's there's um, there's a smoke in here and tissue. Smoke being sort of, I think, the, the mirror side of tissue. So tissue is much more tangible. So from this sort of smoky zone that you've been in... Um, Something will emerge. And actually, tissue is great because that's like, that is like um, a gig in acting, right? They are like tissue y. They don't last, but they are there. <laughs> so I think you've got an exciting project coming up. Um, it might be either something you um, initiate yourself, which knowing you seems unusual at the moment. Or maybe it's a project where you get to, um, like, have a major say in collaboration and get to um, put a lot into it of yourself. Huh. That's what I see. Well, well. Does that sound like something? I mean. I mean, sure. It sounds like it could be something. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah. Keep an eye out. But the magician, the magician is, like, on top of it. The magician uh-huh. has the magician is you have all the tools you need to do this. Uh, the professional thing. Well, it could be whatever, but it's that's the message of it is like you have everything you need. You are the magician. Yeah. So wow, those are two very extreme things, but I think that's it. Okay. Huh. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just it just brings up all sorts of personal stuff that I that I I don't feel ready to talk about. 
We can talk uh, off the air. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. We're allowed. Yeah. That's important, too. <laughs> That's important, too, you know? It's important to not share everything. <laughs> it's important to make a distinction between your inside world and your outside world, between your nine of swords and your magician. Yeah, because I, I do think, actually, it relates to last week when I sort of came out with the death of this friend. Yeah. It's, that's been something that has come up a couple times this week where um, there was a uh, Facebook group that was started. Um, and, you know, people post their memories or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I had to rejoin Facebook to look at it. Um, <laughs> you keep but rejoining. I keep leaving and coming back. Yeah. Uh, but was reading it and it was like all these people just like, you know, all the happy memories. Right. And I was like, my impulse was to like get in there and be like, the story of this guy is the story of addiction. Mm -hmm. And like, and like, I wanted to like, you know, I wanted to like, let's be real, you know, like I, I had this mm -hmm. impulse to like, yeah. really like have it out. And then like, I just had to examine that and be like, that's coming from, my place of feeling traumatized by this person and having unresolved issues with them. Like that's an issue that I should have brought up with them. Right. And it's, and I'm then I'm now putting it on these people who are trying to mourn in whatever they, in w whatever way they want. And like, and, and by virtue of doing that, it's like, I'm the intention is to, to disrupt their mourning. And it's like that I started to realize was like, that's, that's wrong headed. Um, right. Yeah, to so, disrupt. Right. right. You know? So uh, I have been thinking about the things we share and the things we don't because it was like I shared that on the podcast last week because I, that was part of the that was part of that feeling was like feeling wronged by this person and being like, you know, uh, outing them as an addict or whatever or not as an addict. I, I'm struggling even with the the. Um, I'm struggling with the uh, the characterization of someone as an addict, whether that's shaming or not. I don't know whether they were addicted or whether they were an addict. I don't know. I see. But outing them as that, uh, um, you know, it came from a retaliatory place, if I have to be quite honest. And so, like, I did feel a bit bad about doing that last week. Um, but I also felt like, yeah, well, I, you know, whatever. It, it came from a place and you know, his fucking parents aren't listening to this so uh well i mean yeah. a retaliatory place or it's a retaliatory tactic coming from a hurt place sure yeah yeah that one um i gotta send you a picture of these two cards together because it makes perfect sense the magician's a showman this nine of swords is in mourning yeah yeah and i yeah and yeah. um i don't know actually this is a big overlap between you and i i think in relating to work and life how much do we use? Yeah. And it's an interesting larger conversation, I think, that's happening right now of um, how much of other people's pain and suffering can one use or should one use? What's what's ours to use? Is it colonial to use other people's hurt? Yeah, I really would like the manual on that. Well, um, I think we're unwriting it and rewriting it right now. Yeah. That gives me hope, actually, that conversation. Oh, I told you about this. Um, Maria Aaron Jones uh, sent me um, a link to, this is something that we can post, to um, sort of an, an unschool higher education art. I don't know what the, the words are escaping me because it's it's called darkstudy.net, and it's, it's about deinstitutionalizing education. And um, the language in it is very thoughtful, very much an evolution, but just the rejection of these structures and the constant questioning. And I should find, I should find like one sentence to sum it up because I'm not going to do it justice. Um, I did pull this one up before. So um, the internet's not very good in my bedroom. So it takes a minute. Um, here's the line. So this one's interesting. It's in their sort of first, um, first page statement. This one is also, it, it's been highlighted. Uh, it says, Dark study is the work in the shadows in which the collective practice and dynamic action of thinking, unthinking, and rethinking takes priority over investment in one's singular identity as a thinker. And when you click on it, it says, 
We are a group of artists, thinkers, writers, activists. And when you click on that, a little pop-up shows up with a note from Nicole Malouf, who's one of the founders of Dark Study, that says, I wonder if we could shift this from centering around identity as a thinker and more to the act of thinking. I feel less strongly about the label thinker and more about the just the justification or validity of the thinking itself, the action of thought, the allowance of the thought to prevail and impress itself onto society. So they're kind of giving a window into their collective evolving process Mm. that, you know, this is very exemplary of the philosophy here. Anyway, just reading this website, I found very inspiring. We'll also name the women involved in founding it, Caitlin Cherry, Nora Khan, and Nicole Malouf. Um, But it's sort of about who owns thought. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it, it it seems like like so many struggles. It's like this was the conversation imposed on people who had in who had like intellectual thought be colonized from them. Yeah, and 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 other knowledge taken away. We all we all um, are disadvantaged by that theft. Not equally, but I mean society at large. There's no logical. Yeah. There's no logical reason to take away the knowledge that was already here or right. everywhere. It's just violent. But watching, you know, the, this is what I mean about when you. When I say this in relation to you saying that you want the handbook. Yeah, I think people have been working on handbooks that you and I haven't seen, and I think they're out there to find. And I think that they have to acknowledge that they will never be perfect or completed, but they're there. And this feels like one to me. Cool. We just we just reached fifty three minutes. <laughs> Do we have to go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> we are getting the warning, the sort of like flashing the lights on and off warning. Uh, I guess it wasn't all that hard to just talk forever. <laughs> it turns out pretty easy. Is there anything else you want? Um, no. 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 Okay. Well then, I guess we're just going to listen to some Laura Barrett music, and then that'll be the end of the episode. All right. This has been a fun episode. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dan. Thank you, Becky. Um, I hope this is a good year for you. I know it's going to be scary because the world is scary, but I hope it's good for you. And I'm excited to see what this new project is that you're going to do because I I really (laughs) feel like it's out there. I just do. Yeah. And me, all I can think about are the nine swords. (laughs) We'll talk through it after. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Public, we're going to hang up from you. We're we're going (laughs) to deconstruct all this more. Okay. Bye. Bye. H-Word Podcast is produced by me, Becky Johnson, from Parkdale in Toronto. Artwork this week by Alda Escareño, and our theme music is always by Laura Barrett. For information on all our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at the H-Word Pod, or sign up for our newsletter at thehwordpod.com. word